Let's do another <laughs> KG Fifth Walk at a Doc Podcast. Uh, Fellas, how y'all doing? Well, we doing all right today. You know, it's just another. It's a Saturday. It's a Saturday. The weather now cool off everything, and was able to get some real good sleep. Doc. And for folks who don't know, who are you, sir? I am the Fifth Ward Wildcat. Um, I am a contributor to this podcast. One of three. You can find me online and. Uh, Twitter, TweetDeck, Facebook, Jerry L. Woodley Jr., J.L. Woodley 1. You can find me at Blogger, YouTube, SoundCloud, at AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Report. Doc? Yes, I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, the sports professor here at Texas Southern University. You can find me on the social media platforms of Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can also catch my show on SoundCloud at Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Ryan I mean, excuse me, Ryan McGinty, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Um, you can catch it live on KKBQ 92.9 HD2 FM. If you do not have the ability to catch it live, go back to that podcast on SoundCloud and catch it whenever you would like because it's on the go and ready for you. I'm doing well, though. I'm in the building. All right. Now we're going to talk. Because I have this, I think I have it set up correctly for uh, <laughs> basketball. It's on the Houston Round Bar View Facebook fan page going live right nice. now. Gentlemen, 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 these KG Fifth World Wildcat and Doc podcasts, we're not going to talk about any emails. We're not going to talk about anything and being sarcastic. We're going to give it to you real, tell it, give your opinions, tell you the truth, and we're not going to backtrack two days later. And say, oops, I didn't mean what I said. Fellas. Absolutely. Don't lay it out. USA there. basketball, the men are 4 0. First two games were impressive. Look at who they played. They, exactly. They won, beat China 119 and 262 in uh, game one. No NBA players. USA beat Venezuela <laughs> next game 113 69. No NBA players. Third game, a little bit more of a struggle. Australia only won 98 88. NBA players. And then most recently, serious struggle, only beat Serbia 94-91. NBA and college players. So that's great analysis. What happened to and that's, that's the truth. That's what happened. That's what and people that that just watched this game over the last four or last couple of weeks, the last couple of days, these four games, and they're all looking like, why are we not dominating the last two teams? Well, nobody's in awe of anybody. Even when you are fully loaded. With the LeBrons and the Kobe's and all, teams still don't back away from you because they are playing in the league. They're in the locker room with these guys. They're going to colleges here in the, here in the states. Yeah, they say uh, that they just human. And it's 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 not in, it, they're not awestruck. Right. And that only happened first two times. First two get the, the series of NBA players into the uh, Olympics, and in the process that happened. Because of what they were playing, who they were playing against, and what they were looking at, but now 
too many have grown up with LeBron, you know, in high school, you know, watching him play, just growing up watching Kobe, playing against some guys, you know, in, in, in open gyms or whatever. They are not, these countries, those two teams, Serbia and Australia, they are not in awe. And France tomorrow features Tony Parker, who's won a couple of championships. And if you think about it, this is actually a part of what they wanted to take place with the Olympics. True. Is that the fact that the game would spread across the world and you would have many people playing the game, which means at some point you're going to get enough of them playing the game and then they're going to play at a very high level, which means they get a chance to play in the NBA, also in college, which means eventually they're going to go back and play for their national team, and you're going to have some very good teams. So I think this is for folks that really study and watch the game, understand that in a lot of ways this is the way it's supposed to be, and this could be good for the game in the long term. And the fact that Coach K is having to call timeouts now and correct some things, I think it's good. I agree. And it's drawing interest, and people are staying <laughs> staying glued to the TV. You know, no, no blowouts. It may be early on, but that catch-up, uh, second quarter, and the 10-minute quarters are really starting to show the difference between 12-minute quarters and 10. Less time, and the European players are adjusting a lot quicker because they know that's not an extended play. And the game against Serbia, they did two things well. One, they didn't allow the, the, the uh, Team USA to get in stretched runs, meaning they didn't get in transitions. I think they only had maybe, um, maybe about four or five transition baskets all night. The Serbians, they ran some backdoor picks, some screens, some rollouts, spread it the floor, made that extra third and fourth pass, got an open shot, and were back down court. And played in the half court defense a lot. The Americans, I think, uh, the Team USA, uh, I'm in agreement with uh, KG. They probably need to get into a little bit more zone, or at least use it in certain times and all to kind of like to get teams out of that out of those jumpers because I saw some. Shots last night, they were put up. That was an extended three-point shot. I was kind of shocked about that, but they were getting the same. Serbia was getting the same thing done all night long, and that kind of like bothered me because the adjustments weren't coming quick enough, and Coach K couldn't get enough chemistry going to get an extended run. And I think that comes from guys not being able to practice because that was mentioned over and over by Doug Collins that uh, you know it's the league is, is a league and they're pretty much in control of that, that team. I mean even though they're playing for Team USA, NBA is still the NBA. Am I wrong, KG? No, no, you're right and <clears throat> gonna touch on this and and um, you touched on it, I said it also where's his own defense? The back cuts, backdoor picks Backdoor plays that Australia and Serbia beat the U.S. the last two two games have been a problem. The team defense has fallen, has taken a step back. The half-court offense has been abysmal. Down the stretch, the players have resorted to one-on-one. Where's the ball movement? Where's the player movement? Basketball is much more effective when all five players move effectively and efficiently and you have better passing. It's, it's much harder to defend a player 
who's moving as opposed to standing still. True. And let's now let me let's contrast. You would say women's basketball. <laughs> it's, a, it's a different story. No, yeah. First, first butt whooping. 121-56 over Senegal. 1-0. Let's see. Game two, it beat Spain by 40. I think Spain is ranked number two in the, in the world. 103-63. Then it beat Serbia, 110-84. And then the closest so far what well, no, was as of 26. And it beat Canada Friday, 81-51. So that's the lowest point total, 81 points. Next up will be Sunday when they play China. Another beatdown. Move to 5-0. and uh, Then they'll start. It uh, is what it is. Quarterfinal play, then move to medal rounds. So I doubt anything will happen with with the U.S. women's basketball team like it happened to the U.S. women's soccer team. <laughs> no offense to Hope Solo and the squad, but the women's basketball is going to get to the medal round. And uh, then we'll go from there. I'm not going to guarantee gold or anything like that because Australia still stands in the way because they're undefeated in the other opposite group. But um, Group A, Australia's 5-0. and USA is 4-0 on Group B before they beat China tomorrow. Uh, so you won't have to worry to, about the women's basketball team cow- calling anybody cowards? I doubt it, sir. I doubt that. Uh, I don't think they have any problem with that uh, style of play, questions, anything of that sort. So, yes. They, they did what they needed to do to win. So we talk about that. Oh, I agree with you. Exactly. Let's go into that a little bit more. Because what it boiled down to, they knew what that strength was, and that wasn't being aggressive and 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 extending the field out. It was being closed in. Don't spread the Americans out because we don't. We aren't great one-on-one team play, and it all boiled down to take get out shots, close them in, box them in. Get the defenses all jumbled up, and, and where you don't have to worry about about switching, you just you in that, as they say that zone and defense, and everybody's and you got help, and that's basically what they did. Yeah, for those that like a open game, going back to basketball, uh, you'll see some teams that will trap you to try to speed up, speed up the game because they want to play fast break, up tempo, uh, ball. But a lot of times that means you have players that can play that style. Of basketball, which is similar in soccer. You see teams that may not be as talented and have as many skilled players. They'll play a dif- defensive approach to the game where they'll pack it in. You've seen some of the best teams in the world. Oh, yes. Italy yes. on the men's side has won you know, a World Cup playing that style uh, where they literally pack it in, will play you on the counter, which means um, if you're a offensive team, that means you have to be that very serious in terms of setting up your your offensive opportunities. You need to take advantage of them, and you just need to understand that that is what takes place when you have a team of that scale. So I agree with you totally. Uh, they did what they needed to do and ultimately got the victory. Two more basketball-related things. We're going to shift gears, and we're going to go back to the KG Football Wildcat and Doc Facebook page for our second Facebook Live segment. The accident that I did, had the last podcast worked out. It boosted both our pages, so I'm trying it again to see if we get, <laughs> to, you know, responses on both. Give us a little boost on both ways. So, hey, you do what you got. Sometimes accidents yeah, work out, work in, your out in your favor. So Sounds good. We got that the Rockets NBA schedule was announced this week. Um, Rockets first, I think seven of the first nine games this season will be on the road. I know Wildcat is now truly overly impressed with um, (laughs) 
with the <laughs> with the Rockets thus far. You know, the current makeup of the team with Harden, Eric Gordon, and Ryan Anderson and the new pieces to the team. But real quick, um, let me just say that um, the Rockets will open the season October 26th in L.A. versus the Lakers. The game's going to be on ESPN. Then they'll go on the road to Dallas, play the Mavericks on the 28th. Then come home, home and home with the Mavericks. Game will be Sunday, October 30th. Go back on the road to play the defending champion, Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James and crew on Tuesday, November 1st. That game is already slated for NBA TV. Then they quickly go to New York for a game against the Knicks on November 2nd, followed by another game on the road Saturday, November 5th versus the Hawks. Another game on the road November 7th versus the Washington Wizards. And then wrap it up November 9th versus the San Antonio Spurs. Also a road game, and they come home for the second home game of the season <laughs> out of first nine, Saturday, November 12th, versus the San Antonio Spurs. They get the Spurs twice in the first three weeks of the season. So we'll see out those first nine games where, this, where the uh, team stands. It's going to be a good test for Coach Mike D'Antoni and his offensive firepower Rockets and the defensively challenged Rockets as well. Wildcat? You know, I'm you just mentioned something. Defensively challenged, offensively high power. We're going to find out. I mean, the only person, the, the only new acquired that I'm familiar with is Eric Gordon. Um, uh, everybody else, including the draft picks that they picked up, I'm not that old impressed with. Uh, don't know him that well. And, I, and it boils down to I really hadn't paid that much attention to it. Uh, the other teams and all they were playing for, and the, and the college kids and, and the kid from the big guy from uh, China that's supposed to be coming. I don't. I don't believe he'll be here this year. Joe Chi. Yeah. Now, and, and yeah. that's that was the other thing that 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 that's been a question mark. That's kind of like been been mentioned around in the in the gyms and stuff uh, that he may or may not be not so much be, not uh, may or may not be ready for for the league, but he may or may not be uh, coming this this season. And what transpired or what happened, I did. Because you know, nobody makes a makes a decision like that unless you have some concrete information that you may be getting their player ahead of time. Are we in another situation uh, with like Yao or, or what? Answer. He's he's not Yao. Man, I don't know a lot of details on the, on his situation specifically, but he is definitely not similar to Clint Capella. When on draft night, Clint Capella told the media after he was drafted, "I will be playing for the Rockets this season." I'm not going to stay overseas. I'll be in Houston and playing in the NBA my rookie year because the Rockets wanted to keep him overseas for development. And Clint told everybody there on the phone call, no, 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 no. I'll be playing in the NBA my rookie year. So, to his word, he was here. So, that is where that stands. Wildcat, I'm going to touch on this. Thursday, I was in Indianapolis for the women's NCAA mock selection exercise. You can go to the Houston Round Bar View Women's Blog and uh, see some of the photos I took. I also posted on Houston Round Bar View Instagram account at Houston Round Bar Review. Interesting crew. And there was 45, 42 participants were there. And I just want to read on a few things, five picks that I posted on the blog post. Uh, the first one, check this out. I'm just going to read it to you to get your reactions uh, one by one. Is that cool with you, sir? Yeah, that's what. Hey. Okay, first one. 
how the committee prepares for selections. And here are the seven criteria, seven things that they do to prepare to study for the teams, prepare for the make a selection for the mock for the real championship uh, selection determination of, of the final six to four teams. First, in person games. This this is a ten member committee. This is what they do mm-hmm. to prepare. In person games. Next, televised games. Committee committee views over twelve hundred games last season. Online streaming, game tapes or DVDs. The coaches' regional rankings in January, February, March. That the evaluation of the RPI, institutional and conference information provided, and lastly, analysis and perspectives shared by each committee member. Out of those seven things, anything strike you as surprising? No, but what bothers me uh, is that not enough. I mean, it, what 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 on the women's side? And let me reference it this way. It's, it's more, the committee more sets up to keep it as simple as possible with not a, less, uh, not a whole lot of stress uh, by using the analytics and all and, and metrics and these outside polls and, the, and people hanging their heads on, on things like they do uh, games and all our teams like they do on the men's side. On the women, it's about who you played, when you played, was everybody healthy, games were at home, on the road, in conference, out of conference, um... And was everybody healthy? And they used the system up to that point. Games not played are not into the uh, not, not in the process, and they should not be. Hold that thought, sir. You're trying to get my next picture, because, next comment. So you can go right. You're leading right into it. So hold on. Okay. All right. Here's, here's criteria influential to the process. Team information sheet. For each of the 344 Division One institutions, including scores of each team's games, the coaches' regional advisory committee rankings, student athletes having missed games for injuries or other reasons, conference tournaments, other information as shared by each committee member, and you, this is a final point: the committee members are assigned specific conferences to monitor during the regular season, and all members attempt to watch games from all over the country. Not influential in the process. Performance by a team or conference in a previous NTA tournament. Lobbying of committee members by coaches or administrators. And lastly, getting a certain amount of teams from a conference into the tournament. Let me say that one more time. Getting a certain amount of teams from a conference into the tournament because that is one of the perceptions that some people have. that You just want all the, the Power Five, you know, all the Big 12 members to be in the, in the tournament. And they're not qualified. And that is not the case. They aren't qualified. Uh, the other thing, uh, hopefully, well, having been to the, uh, through the process before, uh, one of the things that you come away with, don't underschedule non-conference games. And I reference that by meaning NAIA, Division Two, you know, teams like that. Uh, since the, the, the NC2A has... has Force teams to get away from those exhibition type uh, jump teams, as they call, uh, where they would bring in a uh, bunch of uh, all stars, put it around, with, you know, with, with some some college and some high school uh, and some college and some uh, some ex pro players to play exhibition games. Since everybody's done away with that, it's, it behooves you to your advantage to schedule 
even if you had to schedule a neighbor. Which needs reason. to happen more than it does, especially here in Houston, but I digress Not a little you. bit. <laughs> Not a whole lot of hope. And let you talk more about that uh, as Doc joins us again because we have a, a special guest in the, in the studio. Who Thank has, goodness. Who has a gift for future uh, supporters of the podcast. That's right. Our, our t-shirts are have arrived. That's well, let me ask Thank this you. question Thanks here. Thanks to Ramon Thompson of Cultural Concepts. He's chilling over there in the seat. Is, is may he, put him on blast or bring him on camera if he wants to walk over here and beat him on, is, is he doing a Facebook Live. Is, is he prepared for his, for his fantasy football uh, draft coming up? So, yeah, you know, that's a question you need to ask him. Oh, bring, bring a shirt, sir. Bring a shirt. We're going to put it on, on, yeah. on camera, too. But lastly. You, you got products. Lastly, let me read this last thing here. The uh, committee selection priorities. And this is where the subjectivity gets into it. Okay. For determining the process of teams for the tournament, the ability to elevate that means you know big big time games. Who plays? Who steps up in big time games? The availability of talent, bad losses, common opponents, competitive in those losses, conference record, early competition versus late competition, head to head, non conference record, overall record, regional rankings, relative strength of schedule, RPI, significant wins, strength of conference. And lastly, winnability. Now, I've said those things in alphabetical order. Uh, different committee members place different emphasis on each of those uh, criteria. Personally, when we do a, doing a mock selection, I place more emphasis on non-conference opponents, or RPI, who you play, who you beat, who you lose to. That's mine in a nutshell right there. Some folks, you know, value things differently. And lastly, these are the principles and procedures that the committee abides by. Emphasis on fairness, consistency, and balance of the bracket. Each of the first four teams selected from a conference shall be placed in different regions if they are seated on the first four lines. That means the top 16 seeds overall, basically. Teams from the same conference shall not meet prior to the regional final if they played each other three or more times during the regular season and conference tournament. The committee will attempt to keep conference teams from meeting until the regional final round. Will attempt. Now, it can't be done. It can be avoided, then it's going to happen earlier in a semifinal of the regional round. That means the Sweet 16 round, basically. If the committee is unable to balance the bracket after exhausting all possible options, it has the flexibility to permit to permit two teams from the same conference to meet each other after the first round. Joining us now in the background, holding up one of our quality shirts, Cultural Concepts' own Ramon Thompson. Hold it up, sir. Walk up a little bit closer to the folks to see that KG... Fifth of Walkhead and Dot Podcast shirt right there that new folks will order and purchase. They can go to the HoustonRoundBarReview.com website. Go to the uh, KG Fifth of Walkhead and Dot link, and you'll see how you can purchase shirts via PayPal. Place those orders. We can mail them out to you as soon as you uh, make the payment. Anybody want to comment on the shirts? Uh, you know, I always like the shirts. Uh, we've had different designs in here. One of the things that I have to bring out is the fact that one of my students, uh, former students, as to say, in the sport management program that is actually working now with uh, Texas A&M University Women's Basketball, he was responsible for doing the design concept of the Texas, obviously, where we're located, and putting the sporting uh, basketballs and uh, football and baseball inside the logo there. So that was really something I liked when they created design. And then cultural concepts here, what Ramon did a great job of taking that design and putting it on a t-shirt 
with the name of our podcast, uh, the KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc Podcast, as you can read uh, with our saying, the overtime coverage of your favorite sports. That's what we want to deliver. We love the support, and this is an opportunity for you all to support us by purchasing a, tur- a shirt as well as branding for us uh, as we continue to grow uh, this uh, podcast and program. And uh, just want to say thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. And now, keep on talking because we're going to go into football mode, and we're going to shift to uh, really? HBCUs. And U of H and Big 12, things like that. And then we're going to discuss that on the KG Fifth World Wildcat and Doc Facebook page as we go live there. Sounds good. So that's, that's how we try to do these things, little high tech. So. You want to jump into it? So y'all just keep on talking. Let me get this set up here. Well, first thing I'll jump out. 18 days. 18 days. 18 days till what? College football on the gridiron. See, you do your homework. Very good. That Thursday is the first set of college football games. And since at this point we're talking a little HBCU, when you talk about the HBCU schedule, you have three HBCUs. Actually, I'll say four because two of them play each other. So you have three games featuring HBCU programs that Thursday to kick off the college football season. That is the 1st of September. You have Delaware versus Delaware State. So two home state rivals, if you would. Delaware State is the HBC program. They play in Newark. Uh, Delaware, 6 o'clock game, Central Time, kicking off. I would have to think it would be difficult for Delaware State to find a way to pull that game out. Delaware State is usually FCS playoff bound. Delaware, um, Delaware is, I should say, out of the uh, CAA as they continue to try to move in and be a championship level team. Delaware State is rebuilding their program in the MEAC. Then we're going to dip down to the Division II level and we see Lincoln, Pennsylvania and Cheney. Lincoln University Pennsylvania and LU Football Stadium the Battle of the First. These two programs have a claim to being the H- first HBCU football program if you would. So that's what's going on there. You have Lincoln, Pennsylvania First programs out there in Cheney talking about the battle of the first. Look for Lincoln, Pennsylvania to pull this off. I think they have the football team. They're out of the CIAA. Cheney is struggling to some degree in terms of what they want to do with the football. Lincoln, Pennsylvania is not that far ahead, but they're still, at this point, much better than Cheney. So uh, I'd see, unless there's a major upset, which I don't see. Let's dip in here, and this is where we get those football games where you see uh, FCS playing up the player FBS program. You have Jackson State. Yeah, that's the Jackson State Tigers of the SWAC heading to Las Vegas. Get your money right. A lot of Tigers will be up there. They won't find a way to get to <laughs> Las Vegas. Boyd Stadium. UNLV will host the Jackson State Tigers. Um, Pick them. No, I, I would like to. This game is on the Mountain West Network for those that want to tune in and check it out. Not that good. They're not that good, but I think Jackson State still has a little more work. It'll be interesting. This will be a much better discipline team coming out of here. New coach, first year. This is a coach that's coming over from Mississippi State that could really recruit well. People talk about his ability to get the players to play for him. A lot of them are enjoying camp. He has players really playing up tempo. He's going to try to run the ball much more than they've done in the last couple of years when they had the passing oriented. They had the uh, 
Hawaii quarterback uh, that set the records uh, a couple of years ago. Um, can't think of his name, uh, but he's no longer the offensive coordinator. Uh, and his uh, thoughts were to do an up-tempo and throw a lot of the game. They wanted to settle down, have a much more balanced attack. With Ivy, that should work because Ivy's a pretty good quarterback. He just has to have the ability to release on every play that they're just not coming at him. So it'll be interesting to see just how this new offensive look, Jackson State team, looks. And then we also get a glimpse to see where this defense is. The defense has the chance to be a very solid team. So that's what kicks off the football season. We'll save some of the rest of the games for Saturday and Sunday uh, for our podcast to come. But I did want to get in there and talk about that. Also, leads me to another 90 days after that. Exactly 108 days. I'm excited to announce that we're moving forward with the second annual Big Ben Football Awards. Ben L. Cavill Sr. Big Ben HBCU Football Awards. We're actually going to add additional framework for it. We're going to kick it off that Wednesday with a golf classic. The Big Ben Golf Classic. So, fancy now. You're getting fancy now. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I'm excited about that. Nah. So people around the area, people obviously want to fly in. Uh, you can go to thg-agency.com. Click on uh, the Big Ben Awards. You'll get information over the next week in regards to not only the award ceremony and your price of tickets that you can get, but also the golf classic that you can participate in. So we're looking really excited about taking this to the next level. We'll have some apparel. Cultural concepts will get uh, be part of the team designing our T-shirts. They did it last year for us. So uh, we have some branding merchandise that we can get out to you for Big Ben El Cavill, uh, what we call Big Ben, HBCU Football Award. Quickly. He played in 1925 in the SWAC, part of Wiley College. At that time, Wiley College was a legendary HBCU football program. As we would say, they kicked butt all over the field. Uh, When he was at um, Wiley College for five years, he won four out of five SWAC championships. He had one national title, a co-national title. They won at that time in 1928. Uh, Black College All-American in 1928. 29, uh, as he was just a tremendous player. That was by the Pittsburgh Courier. And those that have done their homework understand that the Pittsburgh Courier would be equivalent in these days uh, to like the USA Today in regards to how it's a national paper. Uh, they were one of the largest papers during their time. And so you got the All-American. It was, it was really really something and really nice in regards to what was taking place there. So that's the footprint and why we decided uh, essentially to celebrate somebody that was equivalent of the first decade that the SWAC turned on the key to what we now know and proudly talk about the Southwestern Athletic Conference as we said will kick off in exactly um, 108 days to the awards and just 18 days for the football season. What amazing. One thing I want to jump in there before we pass it on and get some other questions in here. FAMU Athletics. And this is for Jeremy Cheeks. Uh, he officially graduated with his doctoral program walking across the stage at Texas A&M. And he had a get-together uh, today. And so I know he's excited. But the FAMU Athletics, um, they unveiled 
their new jerseys. The MEAC conference, or at least 10 of the 13 schools, signed essentially a parallel-wide deal with Nike. And you all know the brand of Nike. And people just really get excited about Nike, particularly young folks. And so that's what they'll be wearing, the Nike gear. And it looks pretty nice. You can go to the website, or you can go to Twitter, I should say, and go to Family Athletics if you want to check it out. They unveiled today a all-orange color. Nike emblem uh, swoosh, if you would, above the letter on the left collar with the numbers. They're in white, trimmed in a green, and then they have a stripe going down the pants that talks about the old terminology you hear about FAMU that's been there forever, strike. So they have the word strike um, in a strip, if you would, on the side of the pants legs. Um, in green, in the word strike, written in that, in the orange that they have on. So that gives you a little update on HBC Sports. As everybody's in the camp, we actually got some inside information uh, from <laughs> true, true. That's right. We sure did. umpire referee, and yeah. we asked the questions. We wanted to know what were your thoughts. This, to us, is one of the most this unbiased. Exclusive. This is exclusive. Exclusive and unbiased. Frameworks you can talk about. Many of us, as we professional as we are, we try to be unbiased, like to be unbiased, but oftentimes you like the coach, you might slant some things in a way at least be favorable. We asked, What did you think? Uh, he said, Looking good, more discipline. We went a little further in the detail. What about the quarterback? Yeah, we're talking about TSU scrimmage today, we'll practice today. Texas Southern University. He said he sounded a little concerned. He said quarterback needed a little work. Uh, wasn't quite being able to put the ball where it needs to be. Basically, he was saying accuracy. But then, when the quarterback was accurate, there was another problem. Wide receivers could not hold on to the ball. So while they're going to be much more disciplined, um, they still have time, 18 days before the first game against Prairie View down. Well, actually, for that game, it'll be 20 days because that's on Sunday. Uh, 21 days on Sunday, if you would, at 5 o'clock. That game will be on ESPN 2, uh, ESPN U. And so it'll be interesting to see that matchup between two rivalry teams to kick off the football seat. Yeah, you're you right, Ramon. That is a tough way to do it. You either get a win or a loss in the not only your season column, but in the conference column. So it'll be interesting. Also, I had a chance to go down myself to Prairie View uh, last Saturday as they kick things off and watch them getting in it. Very organized practice. Uh, they look very excited, very intent, going through the drills. But like many teams, um, everybody looks to some degree good in terms of kicking things off. We'll find out when the rubber meets the road in this new stadium. Who's going to be there to show off? Who's going to come out of there excited? Talking about, yeah. <laughs> Who's going to get the victory? Well, we get a look closer. I'm going to tell you my inside thoughts on this matchup uh, probably the week before the game. Sounds good. And we're going to shift gears into uh, some U of H football coverage. Then we're going to go into Big 12. And since I'm a U of H alone. That's going to be some interesting conversation. Two, two things. And I think we're going to do the Big 12 discussion on audio only. So as a tease for the video, Facebook Live folks, we're going to shut you down. And go strictly to audio. So check us out on SoundCloud.com and, and iTunes for the rest of our podcast for that. NCAA.com has two articles 
And uh, one of them is a 10 non-conference games to plan your schedule around. <laughs> First one, week one, number 13, Oklahoma versus number 13, Houston. September 3rd, 11 a.m. Central Time. There's a little paragraph. An absolutely, an absolutely stacked first Saturday of the season wastes no time getting off to what should be a thrilling start. Let's do it. Beyond just, beyond just being a battle between two highly tied teams, the offenses that each carries should make this one a shootout. Both the Sooners and Cougars averaged over 40 points per game last season, ranking in the top 10, and have legitimate Heisman candidate quarterbacks in Baker Mayfield and Greg Ward Jr. This might be the game to watch if you can only carve out time for one in the first week. <laughs> Next, NCA.com article. College football, five non-Power 5 teams to watch in 2016. First on the list, Houston. Coming off a 13-1 season. You talking about the Houston Cougars? Of course. Right here in our backyard? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, indeed. The Coming Houston off, Cougars. Right. Okay. We're not, we're, not, we're not the Ohio State, but we are the Houston <laughs> Cougars. <laughs> Coming off a 13-1 season, Houston remains poised for another impressive season. Led by playmaker quarterback Greg Ward Jr., a solid set of returners comes back to help the Cougars push their way up the rankings. However, the defense lost a number of starters, and the team really needs more depth behind Ward. Still, ever since head coach Tom Herman stepped foot on the field to shake up the team, Houston has developed into a program worth paying attention to. Right now, the team is poised to make a good run at another bowl game. However, if the Cougars pull, off, pull out a win in the season opener by upsetting Oklahoma, they may prove to some that they might be moving up farther than a bowl game. And that means playing for the Final Four football-wise, so let's keep your eye on that. Next, hype or hoax? It's the ESPN.com insider information on the website. I'm a subscriber to this behalf for years. Help me get my Sam Andrews Black Fans Football Championships a few years ago. Doc and Ramon know what I'm talking about right there. Hyper hoax. Are the Wolverines, Cougars, and Huskies really that good? I'm not going to talk about Michigan or, or Washington. <laughs> it's, whatever. So we get the skim on down to U of H. Houston Cougars are preseason ranked 13th in the coaches' poll. Among the three teams being examined, Houston is arguably most deserving of the summer hype. The Cougars have recorded four 10-win seasons in the past decade, including last year's high school, school high record of 13 victories, capped by a 38-24 win against Florida State in the New Year's Six Bowl. Quote, what they did to Florida State, wow, end quote, a Big 12 coach said. Houston returns standard quarterback Greg Ward Jr., and most important, Coach Tom Herman, viewed as college football's ultimate rising star. Opposing coaches were generally positive about Houston, praising Herman's leadership, Ward's explosiveness, and a unique pressure-based defense. But most don't see Houston making a legitimate playoff push. Quote, they've got a great team back, a Power 5 assistant said, and in all facets of the game, time recruiting at a much higher level. It's a different matchup today, obviously, than it would have been a couple years ago, end quote. Ward is the only signal caller other than Clemson's Deshaun Watson to eclipse 2,000 passing yards and 1,000 rushing yards in 2015. He accounted for 38 touchdowns, 21 rushing, 17 passing last year, and threw only six interceptions, ranking 15th nationally in total QBR. A Power 5 assistant coach called him a balancer of talent disparities between Houston 
and power five opponents elsewhere on the field. Quote, he fits perfectly in their system, said a coordinator who faced Houston last year. The field is so spread out that there are always scenes for him to run. He can always run for six or seven yards and keep the chains moving. He's a dangerous kid, end quote. We're going to move down a little bit. Houston's defense garners much less attention, but could be the group to watch in 2016. The Cougars return top playmaker Stephen Taylor at linebacker and add five-star recruit Ed Oliver to a solid defensive line. Last season, Houston quietly finished 20th nationally in points allowed and 8th against the run. Quote, they show you a, a lot of different looks, a lot of different blitz, blitzes, very, very aggressive, said an offensive assistant who faced Houston last year. And they've got athletes on the field, end quote. Sum it up here. This is something you need to watch. Houston's biggest challenge, ironically, is the offseason hype it has generated. Several coaches who faced the Cougars last season said the element of surprise is gone. Oklahoma will be ready. So will Louisville, which Houston beat in week two last season. End quote. When you're playing a team, the coaches can tell that this team is really good, but the players don't see them as a big-time program, a coordinator who faced Houston last year. So the players, by the time they figured out in the middle of the third quarter, <laughs> Houston has confidence and then the pressure's on. Whereas now, every team will know what they're getting into. They're not going to sneak up on anybody this year, end quote. That's, that's true. I don't think they're going to step up on it. No. And uh, as uh, Coach uh, Herman mentioned during uh, media day, uh, he now has an experienced front line. Even though it's, it's one year removed, they are experienced. Those guys got uh, walk-ons. I mean, he, he basically went through, I think, six changes. A couple of those guys were walk-ons that weren't on scholarship, that were just on campus. And when the call went out, the Cougars answered. They ended up going to a bowl game and winning, which tells a lot about the city of Houston, that campus, the central campus, University of Houston, has talent walking on campus that can play. This area is a fertile recruiting hotbed. Teams come in, they think they've got all the talent, took it away with them, found out the hard way. Office alignment are still here to be had. And Coach Herman and his crew, to their credit, found them, coached them up, won games. And, and with that, we're going to go to audio. Thank you very much for watching our Facebook Live. Thank you for the comments we got tonight. So now, fellas, let's do some Big 12 talk. Okay, because I, I got to talk about this. Speaking I got to read it. Go ahead. Because when it came out yesterday, let me just let me just go to the to the. I gotta just read it because I'm not really sure what I think about this. The Big 12's work toward expansion is starting to get underway, and the conference is reportedly interviewing 17 yeah. schools yeah. for possible inclusion. Those so 17 schools are going to be doing video presentations with the conference to prove or display their worth to the Big 12 conference members. 17 schools. Here are 14 of them and I'm going to read before I scroll down to I think the other three. But the 14 of them are, we, we know most of them. 
Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, South Florida, UCF, UConn, Memphis, Colorado State, Boise State, Tulane, Temple, East Carolina, SMU, and New Mexico. That's the first batch of 14. New Mexico? The last three are um, San Diego State, UNLV, and Northern Illinois. All right. Yes. That look on your face, Doc, says it all. Okay. All right. Doc, first because I've been to quite a few of these stadiums that the teams were mentioned. Yeah, there's a couple of my new facilities, but Boy Stadium, that ain't it. I mean, they host a bowl game, the Las Vegas Bowl. Um, but the program is not where it's a money grab for someone coming in. I mean, they, they're... Get some yeah. done. And they don't get the support that's even though they're in Las Vegas, they don't get the support that they that they used to, that they get with the, the basketball program. I mean, football it just doesn't happen. And uh, the last time they had a great great quarterback uh, was Randall Cunningham. <laughs> well, that's and then, and, 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 yeah, that's, that's I mean, uh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they've had some guys that were good, but Randall is the one that that stands heads and shoulders above everybody else through that, you, pro- you that are, program. You are absolutely correct. But I don't want to necessarily dissect 17. These teams will be on here all day. Right. But if we want to go through that, we can. But I will respond to UNLV. I would surmise that the reason that UNLV is on this for two basic reasons. The region that they're, they're in. Okay, Mountain West. For I mean, the professional the teams. Yeah. Not just the Mountain West, but the professional team. Everybody's trying to get into Las Vegas. Well, this is somebody looking at the landscape of Las Vegas being this new hotbed city, if you would, where... That's where they're trying to look. Well, it's appeased the television people. As well as remember, as you mentioned, the bowl game. That bowl game is tied into what network? Who owns that bowl? Yeah. Tell the listeners that they may not know. ESPN. Yeah. Yeah. ESPN. So, remember, they had a huge article that came out that said that the what? Networks were not very excited about them expanding because they thought it was a money grab. So I would surmise that one reason or two of the reasons I just told you that UNLV is even getting this FaceTime is to try to appease these multiple facets that we're talking about. I think the bigger talk that should come out of this, not necessarily which teams fit, whatever. To be honest, I could openly tell you I have some bias which teams I think would be in for various reasons. One, because I have a colleague uh, who has been working on this in the background really consistently uh, to make sure that his institution gets into the Big 12 for versus reasons. So I think that's important. But not even from a bias as I'll close out and pass it back to my colleagues to continue this, is the fact really the Big 12 is obvious that the schools do not have a consensus of who they would like to see in the league. That's the only way you get to 15, 16, 17 <laughs> schools on the list is that at this point there's not really enough presidents within the Big 12 to create a consensus of what are the top two, three, four, maybe five teams that you would uh, like to see or even better you would like to see somebody say, all right, these are the two schools we want, let's go get them. You know, uh, uh, let me say, excuse me, Wildcat. The, yeah, Brett McMurphy of ESPN does not have UNLV on his list. He has 18 teams now, and instead of UNLV, he has Air Force and Arkansas State. 
to go with Boise State, BYU, Cincinnati, Colorado State. I refuse to believe that Arkansas State is on this list. But yeah, no disrespect to those Arkansas but, you know, State I, fans. That I, I, I just refuse. And the I'm presentations have already begun because Boise State is already on the internet. There's their, I guess, PowerPoint presentation, the video, whatever, has been posted on the Idaho Statesman.com website as well as CBS Sports. You can go, you can Google it, and see their presentation that they've already made to the Big 12 or will make to the Big 12. And it includes President Obama in some of the slides. You know, <laughs> that's impressive. First of all, however they got that thing or not, but you know, my, well, I just said it's impressive. I don't, yeah. <laughs> my, my, I don't know if it's gonna work when you talk about the state of Texas. My question is, how do you get to this point? I mean, you could, you, you, you. Oh, it's easy. You got to this point. Is you, you eloquently talked about several times. Is the commissioner? You question. I and I still to this day, and I and, and I'm gonna stick by this. I'm going to stick by it at some point during this process that's not going to go well. Bosby will not be the commissioner when this all gets 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 resolved. There will be somebody else. How can this go well? Uh, the only way it can go well is if they get up off their high horse and Make a decision on one. First of all, two teams or four, because they hadn't even done that. They hadn't even gone to that point yet. Just from what from what I'm finding out, <laughs> you right. From, from what from, from what I'm finding out, they point. have not gone to either. They want to <laughs> expand to twelve or to fourteen, because it's got to be an even number. Well, if we know that, then that that is true. But the fact that they don't know twelve or fourteen, 14. is an excellent point that you're telling. The, them. the second thing is you've got a due date that's coming up. That you've already set on the on the calendar by both the the the, the member schools, the conference, and the network, and, and the notification they, of those schools that you're bringing in to their previous conference. Right, they, and they won't have the luxury of what do we do now? We just got invited. How quickly do we make this move? Because once you make that move, you and I both know websites can be changed and all you know overnight and whatever. But money situations, Doc. And contracts. Contracts. That's a long process. You can say it's going to be short. Very But long. when somebody says. No, you're right. The, contracts are You're long. not getting any Because you're going to get the lawyers involved. Right. And you can either get it resolved quickly. No. Within a year. Maybe. Or you can get it extended over a five-year period. And I know for a fact, bowls don't pay out money anymore over a year-to-year basis. It's extended out either one. Well, I take that back. Three. One. Three and five years, and that's you get an initial payment because of the member school that's involved in the bowl. That's right. And then everything else gets doled out in a pro- over you. Uh, from the conference to the rest of the member schools. It goes into a big pot, and it just sits there. The third reason I think that Commissioner Bowlesby won't be the guy in charge when this gets resolved is, yeah, I'm, I'm going now now because. I'm tired of every every week now. I mean, I'm, my blog now is is pretty much all about the Big Twelve for the wrong reason mm. because they are they are basically sitting out there not understanding one what they have, two why do they want to change it, and it, whether it's for personal reasons, as I said, because Doc, you and I both, all three of us know, you know, member schools they looking at their dollar signs. 
if my athletic department is dependent on a certain amount of money coming in because I don't have a big, a big enough fan base, I'm not going to be I'm not gonna be against an increase of schools because it's cutting down on my money. I don't. I mean, I'll accept it if the network says, "Okay, we'll increase, we'll compensate the the difference between, you know, the, the schools coming in." But they just left a conference and left all that money on the table that they thought were coming in, and you're becoming moving into a new conference. And folks, moving into a new conference, you become a half member. You don't have voting rights immediately, and you don't get get money into the vote money that's coming in. So you got you waiting. You got to hope your, your finances will hold up at least a minimum of three years because you got to compete, you got to get to a bowl, and you, as they say, you got to contribute to the table. You don't have a traveling fan base. Excellent point. And, I'm, and I'm fi- I found out the hard way two weeks ago, student body buying tickets is not a traveling fan base because student, when we were all in school, students don't have that kind of money to buy season tickets. They don't have that kind of money to make every road game. Fan base outside of the school and suites. Those people are your traveling fan base. That is how your equation comes into the play. And if you don't have that set up, you are at a deficit. Now, Doc, take it away from that. No, you said it. I'll pass it back to Chris. You laid it out very well there. No need for me to add on to that. Y'all in? News OK, Barry Trammell has a commentary he put out yesterday saying the Big 12, the only chance for the Big 12 stability is to merge with, 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 with the SEC or the Pac-12. I agree. I'm not talking about just two teams here and there. The Big 12 itself wow. should merge with the SEC or the Pac-12. Like I said, this is Barry's And we know which one is opinion. not going to happen. So this is just a, this is a commentary. Just a comment. well, essentially, what will take place is it, it may not be a full merger evenly walled Big Twelve members go, but at some point it looks like that uh, at the rate that you're talking about, unless the person that they bring in after Bowlesby's can somehow write this ship, mm-hmm. which to me looks near impossible. I think you're going to see the Big Twelve implode, and you'll see teams go to the SEC. Pac-12, and even to the Big Ten. Let's go back a few days and talk about uh, BYU. What's taking that so long? Athlete Ally issuing the letter, writing the letter, and 24 other organizations writing the letter to the Big 12 to not permit BYU into the Big 12 because of their stance against LGBT people. Thoughts on that? It makes sense. This is the political framework that we see going on uh, has clearly positioned themselves in the marketplace. Whether people like it or not, uh, politics are involved in athletics. They're involved in sports. And such, if there's politics, it means that there's activism. And we've seen activism in collegiate sports anywhere from the student in terms of college athletes, all the way up to people on the outside that are trying to influence what takes place. So this is another case uh, where what's taking place. And you have the stance with the BYU um, that the LGBTQ community is not comfortable with. And if they're not, I think it's their right to voice their opinion. 
And so it'll be interesting to see how they move forward with that um, and how much they actually listen to what they're saying. And they might not say they're listening much, but I have to believe to some degree that they're listening. And you already have the issue on the table with BYU, where many people thought they'd cleared the hurdle where they would say that they would be taken as just a football member. Um, but so that just complicates things for them. And it just makes it a more and more of a challenge for BYU to find them their place in the Big 12 when a lot of people – Let's think about how far this has gone. When this original conversation started, BYU was one of the preeminent institutions that many thought were almost assuring. Yep. And as time has moved forward, they seem to have slipped further and further and further away from the realistic chance of them joining the Big 12. In a lot of ways, I think this helps U of H. And let me just read. I'm not going to read the entire letter, but this is the letter to uh, the Big 12. Uh, from Athlete Ally. Dear Commissioner Bowlesby, this is dated August 8th. We are writing to express our concerns about Brigham Young University's candidacy for Big 12 Conference membership. As organizations committed to ending homophobia, biophobia, and transphobia both on and off the field of play, we are deeply troubled by this possibility. We feel it would be extremely problematic to include BYU in your conference expansion for the following reasons. Adding BYU would be inconsistent with the Big 12 conference membership values. <laughs> wow. Currently, the Big 12 as a conference is overwhelmingly LGBT in- inclusive. Then say Q, but Q as well. Nine out of ten of your nine out of your ten nine out of ten of your member schools have explicit protections for students based on their sexual orientation. Eight out of ten of your member schools have explicit protections for students based on their gender identity. And 9 out of 10 of your member schools have LGBT resource centers to proactively make their schools safe and welcoming for LGBT people. BYU conversely, actively and openly discriminates against its LGBT students and staff. It provides no protections for LGBT students. In fact, through its policies, BYU is very clear about its intent to discriminate against openly LGBT students with sanctions that can include suspension or dismissal for being openly LGBT or in a same-sex relationship. The LGBT climate is so bad at BYU that it is ranked the sixth worst school in the country for LGBT students. Given BYU's homophobic, biophobic, and transphobic policies and practices, BYU should not be rewarded with Big 12 membership. BYU's anti-LGBT policies are bad for the Big 12 sports community, especially student-athletes. And I'll move down to the summary. The Big 12 is a conference committed to sportsmanship, fair play, and inclusion both on and off the playing field. You are known for your dedication to fans and your commitment to the welfare of your student-athletes. Adding a school like BYU to your membership while it still champions L anti-LGBT policies and practices would greatly undermine these Big 12 values. Sincerely, Athlete Ally. And here's the list of the groups that signed the letter. Athlete Ally, Campus Pride, Equality Federation, Equality North Carolina, Gay and Lesbian Center of Southern Nevada, GLAD, Kalamazoo Gay and Lesbian Resource Center, Land Legal, National Center of Lesbian Rights, 25 groups, 
So it's a lot of it's powerful, powerful groups in here. And for those, and let me just say this, this is my opinion, not speaking for Doc and Wildcat. For those folks I've seen on message boards earlier this week when this letter came out about uh, I'm not sure I want politics or or uh, the squeaky <laughs> wheel to get involved in getting U of H into the Big 12. I, they don't want U of H to be in because of this. Well, how dare these minorities seek equality? Where do you think they are? America? Yeah. Great point. With that, uh, I would be interested in finding out what is the tenth of the nine of the ten schools that doesn't have this. I would hesitate to put on the table as Baylor. I, I would and assume the reason, so. And yeah. the reason I would assume that, and whether it is or not, is not the point that I'm ultimately trying to make. So I will definitely make sure people understand that. But with the issues that are going on with Baylor, um, I think it makes it even more of a challenge when you look at BYU, uh, another private institution, um, and you would could see where Baylor possibly would be an ally for BYU, but uh, this makes it just even more of a challenge to see how BYU can get over that hurdle. I would think it'd be in very intriguing to understand what are the thoughts from the athletic director at BYU. Obviously, you have institutional and a board that sets policies. But traditionally, you usually have an AD that is more geared towards the sporting context. And so their framework on this would be different. But obviously, he has to answer the folks. But I'm sure once he saw this letter going public, I'm sure he just uh, really banged his head against the desk and was like, this is not the right time to have this go out. And BYU is already in the news for uh, honor code, sexual assaults, things how they've handled or not handled issues on campus uh, federal lawsuits because of those issues so they they have you know yeah many of the schools have that but the fact that you have this uh, compounding the issue that the Big 12 has with Baylor is what yes. I want to get on the table mm-hmm. and the fact that it's becoming a political hot box makes it more challenging uh, so I don't want this to focus on BYU as if they're the only school that's dealing with these Title IX which is important sure. to put out there that they are, but where it becomes more of a challenge is when you keep compounding all these various issues on top of what the issues we just eloquently talked about uh, in regards to the Big 12. It just is like oil and water. It makes it a very difficult challenge on top of all the positive things that they bring to the table. Agreed, and I still go back to uh, Doc, and I still prefer you based going to the Pac-12, but unless and until the Pac-12 sends an invite to U of H, power five, power five, and right now, unstable or not, if that's the Big 12, so be it. Yeah. It's the Big 12. It's, uh, while it's unstable, financially it's more stable than the current situation of UH being in America. Doc, Wildcat, anything you want to say to wrap it up here? Oh, me, Doc, on Friday, August 26th, first college game. The schedule, at least that I see, that, that was brought up on the uh, scoring schedule of NC2A football, is Cal versus Hawaii, 10 o'clock p.m., ESPN. And on Saturday, August the 27th, Charleston Southern against North Dakota State. And that is that. 
That is all I have as far as college football getting started. And uh, next podcast, I'll be ready to go to the local local yokels, and I have had I, I will have had a chance to go out to some practices and make some comments and interview some people, some coaches. Won't be interviewing any players yet, as I say, they hadn't hadn't done anything yet. <laughs> and and like coach said, they hadn't done anything yet. You know, it's a new day and a new time. Right. Uh, but one thing that uh, we will see, and I mentioned it to, to uh, KG earlier today, first-year coaches, Labor Day, it has not changed. The first-year guy got it done. Yeah, the last couple of years, the first-year coach has been able to get it done. So it'll be interesting to see. Will that it's, continue it's, it's, yeah. on this year? Oh, yeah. In just two weeks, I'll give you my updates. And – what I think will be the outcome of that game based on the matchups. I want to hear a little more of what's taking place in the camps uh-huh. before I release that. But yeah. our preseason poll will be coming out uh, in the near future, so we'll get you that information and let you know how I see the top ten coming into the season. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the season, we'll get to match it up and see just how accurate I was about forecasting what will take place at the end of the year, yeah. particularly – in regards to the SWAC with the SWAC championship game and the champion of the MEAC and the SWAC in regards to the Celebration Bowl in Atlanta. And I will be at both. And I want to acknowledge uh, new uh, football SID at Prairie View, uh, Dwayne Lewis. I'm getting your emails. Uh, thank you. Dwayne and Lewis is a good friend of mine, and, and I was uh, uh, happy la- to hear. Last time I, I talk, he and I talked, director. I had a, a lengthy conversation uh, TSU was at the uh, championship in Birmingham. That's, that's been a long while. That's been a while. That's, that's been, been a while. while. But With that, I'm the sports professor, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. You can see find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can listen to me live every Tuesday from 6 to 7. At Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab on KKBQ 92.9 FM HD2. Uh, you can listen to it live on your phone, going in to tune in and typing in KCUH. You can watch it as a live stream at www.kcuhradio.com. If you can't catch it live, you can go to SoundCloud at Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab and catch it as a podcast at your convenience with that i just want to add get your shirts kg fifth ward wildcat in the dot podcast the overtime coverage of your favorite sports and this is the fifth ward wildcat you can find me online at uh, facebook tweet back uh, tweet deck twitter jl woodley one jerry l woodley jr youtube soundcloud blogger blogspot AKSV, VCSR, the College Sports Report. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, HoustonRoundBallReview.com, Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube, Houston Round Ball Review on Instagram. You can catch our podcast of the KG, Fifth Wall Walk and Doc, on iTunes, Pod Directory, and SoundCloud. Thank you for your views, checking us out, watching us on Facebook Live on both the Houston Round Ball Review. Facebook page and the KG Fifth Walk at it and Doc Facebook page. That was fun. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your knowledge and your time and your insight. Ramon, thank you for stopping by. 
Chris. Two things real quick. Uh, last heard, only uh, a few hundred tickets remain for the Oklahoma U of H football game on September 3rd. U of H is approaching uh, 24,000. Expected to have 25,000 season ticket holders That's pretty by awesome. the team the season starts. So, onward and upward for Coach Herman and the Cougars and, and University of Houston and President Couture. So, that's good. Gonna wrap it up as I always I do. Go ahead. Throw in there. We'll have, it looks like we might have two sellouts, both on the season ticket side and definitely Labor Day Classic. Uh, um, s- tickets are going rapidly fast. My understanding they expect a sellout in regards to tickets on the marketplace as early as next week. Who's buying? Uh, is it the PV folks buying the tickets or is it TSU or is just uh, everybody just They buying? didn't even send tickets to TSU. Everybody buy tickets. It's PV, man. PV. They didn't even send. I'm going to say it one more time. They didn't even send tickets to TSU. <laughs> oh, they put it on the website and that's, said that's if you want tickets, go online and purchase the tickets. So I would suggest that majority, <laughs> when I say majority, I'm saying nearly all the tickets have been bought up for Prairie View people as they want to make it a purple out. Not to disrespect oh, Texas Southern, but there's 15,000 seats in there, and they want it purple. By oh, man. PV That's Prime. being totally disrespectful. <laughs> well, <laughs> because teams, I tried to soften up. I know, but, but I'm going to go there. Because <laughs> teams, even if they don't respect it, you know, it's just, they basically said, we'll send y'all, you know, crumbs and all, but you basically <laughs> telling me, telling them, let everybody know straight up. We don't care about y'all. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't this ain't y'all game. This ain't, this our stadium. You on our campus. If you want to come up here, you come on. But other than that, hey, oh, you sit at the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. So you can watch it on ESPN. You watch it on ESPN. You. I don't care about you. I got my own building. Hey, you abide by my rules. You a visitor. This is my house, and I don't care about you at all. You know. I, I hate to wait. I'll tell you what. Doc, folks can say what you want, but you and I both were sitting there last year at the dinner, at the luncheon. Yes. This gonna get, that going to be a point of emphasis. <laughs> That's going to be a point of emphasis. Folks may show up just to hear that. Yeah. Because I'm going to tell you, it was a bunch of people. A lot of people from the Touchdown Club even called. Uh, you know, they say, what was that about? What was that about? You know, and then ask them, you know, do you have them? Uh, how can I get to the link to the, 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 the see what I saw? Send it to them. You can get this. You can go to AKSV DCSR. Great. Uh, you need to see it. Search up uh, TSU Preview Luncheon for Labor Day Classic. And that is for you in, 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 in live and living color. It's pure entertainment. And uh, so we'll and we will be there. Yes. On the hill for a show. Correct? Yes. It'll be a show. So um, tune in for that. More details for that as we get closer and closer to. To that game, and I'll try to be sober, sober by uh, by that time. <laughs> after, especially if U of H beats Oklahoma, because I'm not promise you anything if U of H upsets Oklahoma on September 3rd. So, um, but two things real quick, I almost forgot this. This is mentioned on my women's hoops blog at HoustonRoundBarView.com. The University of Houston Cougars women's basketball team, uh, Coach Huey and, and the players and staff, have made a trip to Costa Rica, so they are there now as well as the HBU women's basketball team has uh, begun a two-week trip to Australia. So safe and productive travels to both women's basketball programs. And um, Absolutely. they're doing it to improve their team bonding, 
the cultural experience as well for the for everyone involved. So it, I think what is it, every four years a team can make an international trip wildcat something like that every yeah. four or five years. Yeah. So taking advantage of that NCA rule. So uh, kudos to the coaching staff and universities for uh, approving that, as well as funding it, as well. So good luck and safe travels to to both programs, and we'll see you when you get back and be ready for basketball season. And uh, at some point, at one of these years, hopefully Wildcat, somebody here in Houston is going to take it to the Final Four. And not no knock against A&M because that's up the road. It's not far. It's not far. It's Same thing with UT. You know, it's, but, it's, but I'm talking about Houston, yeah. Rice, TSU. Inside the HP, city limits. Somebody take county, it to the Final Four. The that's city what I'm limits. So that's, that's a goal that I have, and the Wildcat shares in that goal and dream before we die, that uh, one of those teams will get to the Final Four. A lot has to happen for that to take place but anything is possible <laughs> so you know it well, starts from administration on down right. lots happen for that that's right but we'll go from there so uh, safe travels to everyone involved there gentlemen thank you very much for your time and knowledge and your insight Ramon thank you once again this has been the fun uh, as we do we have fun doing our podcast we hope you enjoy it uh, the listeners and the viewers our numbers are starting to grow and improve uh, I'm not sure when we have a, our next one will be, but we'll let you know. You can follow us on Twitter. Once again, I'm at uh, VHR Review on Twitter. So um, look forward on our, on our Facebook page when our next scheduled podcast will take place. We'll keep you informed. Once again, we give you our opinions. We don't sugarcoat anything here. We don't hide from our emails. We don't hide from anything we say and then run back and say, oh, it was sarcasm. We keep it real here on the KG with a Wildcat and Dog podcast. Thank you very much for your time, knowledge, and insight. Going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.